shout out to an incredible coffee shop in San Jose called Voyager. Uh, it's on Stevens Creek Boulevard. I was I've there been. today and I got a cup of cold brew and I was hanging out with my brother and uh, like you know how you have to take your dishes to like that weird plastic bin in a coffee shop once you're done yeah it's called the bus tub yeah the bus tub i took i took my dishes to the bus tub and to my left there's this redhead gal right and (laughs) uh i turn and look at her and she's like staring into my soul right and i'm like "Uh, all right whatever and then i put my stuff in the bus tub and as i turn i link eye contact with her again and she has her forehead tilted down continuing to stare at me with a huge grin picture like the grinch at that <laughs> at, at the time where he gets the idea right or that movie <laughs> truth or dare did you see that no oh, right? neither did i what's the deal with like the forehead down creepy smile eyes glazing like that's uh, what glenn does that's, 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 that's how what the kubrick stare that's yeah. what well, your brother glenn does like it's definitely terrifying and i will tell you jordan peele uses that stare a lot in the movie us ladies and gentlemen welcome oh, to wow. everything comes from something sort of a boring intro but is it because she doesn't have a soul is that why she was staring into yours i don't know i don't know what, what the deal hmm. with her was there was a lot of weird stuff so going there's really on. no explanation for that story I, it's just you saw a weird red-headed lady then she split out did right? you oh, wait she just disappeared <laughs> and she went missing she was wearing a red jumpsuit i don't know what was what? up with that no i'm just <laughs> wait, is this whole story fake no it's oh, not okay. uh, the the everything in the jumpsuit was not real but everything else besides that um definitely true okay? did you I, okay here's my question to you do you technically count as a ginger I would uh, say so. Look at him. I'm like strawberry blonde. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. my hair is darker. Sometimes my hair is lighter. Mm-hmm. Definitely lighter in the summer. But I that see. is besides the point, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Everything Comes From Something, a show about unoriginality <laughs> and how everything is unoriginal. My name is Isaac Ransom. I'm Cameron Tuttle. And I'm Juzo Greenwood. Thanks for joining us again, Juzo, our resident film expert. Okay, I, I'm taking offense. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. No, Juzo is actually genuinely a film expert. I want to come yeah. up with like a jingle or something for you. Uh, please. You do. know, we get we get complaints on the show. You guys don't have intro music. Let's be real, guys. Most podcast intro music is just absolute trash. And yeah, you wow. don't need it. I yeah. What I want to do is get some weird psychedelic crap playing at the beginning of this, mm. and, and then <laughs> it will prepare your mind to enter such a. Uh, mess of a show what's funny is you can actually kind of tell the like at least the the presumption of what the content is going to be based on the intro music like you if you know it's like kind of goofy uh like like party trap music you know what kind of podcast that's going to be but if it's classical music you also know what what kind of podcast that's going to be you well, know i, I mean? figure our, our, our podcast is way too broad so it's like how could you stick music to that yeah exactly i think well, we, we could do, like strange experimental radiohead music mm. that's 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 what i think the the suspirium song from suspiria <laughs> yes that's right episode 40 Wow. Switching topics. Wow. Is all about the first quarter of movies. That's why we have our resident movie expert, Juzo Greenwood, joining us again to discuss films. Uh, Primarily, this episode will be about the movie Us. We are going to touch on Captain Marvel and maybe even a little bit of the Lego Movie 2 and some other films that Cameron and Juzo have seen and are 
uh, um, have have things to say, have things to comment about. But yes. before we get to the show, if you enjoy Everything Comes From Something and what we are doing here, you can check us out at patreon.com slash podcast, where you can throw a couple bucks our way to support the show. There are ways you can interact with the show at the $5 level. You can uh, get a question on air, and at the executive producer level, you can join our creative team, which comes up with topics and ideas for this show. Shout out to our executive producers, Darren O'Neill, Kiana Layap, Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Thanks for being our executive producers. We care about you guys so much, and we hope you're enjoying the content. Overall, it's been a good year so far. 2019. What it's you guys... not a year. What? It's not what? You mean of movies? Or <laughs> I'm just talking about movies. movies. Okay, okay. Just 2019. I'm Sorry. just transitioning. Guys, I'm carrying this. I'm talking at a million miles an hour right I know. Now. I was thinking... I mean, the first record of the year is always like nothing. I mean... Yeah, usually. Yeah. You always get like one, like one or two things that really hit people like black panther or something um, what's up with but, january being like kind of the runoff from from the oscar movies in like the first week and then absolute utter horse crap the rest of the month for january they just know yeah, it's a january. dead it's a dead time where you can dump like stuff like serenity which i haven't seen yet but stuff that they know is just a complete mm. bomb yeah and they, they might have a chance with it well let me let me check the movies real fast for the 2019 january I want to cross check because for some reason I was excited to watch a bunch of bad movies in January. And granted, I don't think I saw any that necessarily stuck out to me, but I kind of remember being like, oh, there's not that much trash. The, the only big one was the movie Glass by uh, M. Night Shyamalan. They oh. call me Mr. Glass. Yeah, which is kind of. I Did you guys see it? No, nope. I didn't see it. it. I thought kind of that disappointing. Was in January? I think it was January. Yeah. Oh, rude. Um, yeah, but not, not very. And disappointing because the the previous two in that trilogy, Unbreakable and Split, were like really excellent mm. movies. Yeah, yeah. But Glass, it's like he just had the whole thing in the psych ward, and he didn't really. He sort of had the George Lucas mistake where he doesn't pick a main character, mm. and um, because it seems really good at first, like you're seeing Bruce Willis like in full vigilante mode, and he's like hunting down criminals, and he's hunting down McAvoy's character character from Split. Um, so it's really compelling at first, but uh, sort of grinds to a halt hmm. um though it's kind of it's interesting enough if you like the other two movies that's worth seeing but i didn't see split but i loved unbreakable unbreakable, unbreakable is fantastic yeah. yeah very underrated movie i think um, i think bruce willis is the best performance in that movie wow. he's amazing yeah yeah uh, i mean mo- die hard but movies yeah. that came out in uh january 2019 uh alita battle angel how to train your dragon hidden world a uh, lego movie part two and then glass uh there's also serenity and Escape Room, which are notable. I didn't see those. And, I uh, heard the Serenity is like profoundly bad, which is funny because it's by the guy who made Locke, which if you haven't seen uh, Locke, is Locke an is amazing so movie. Tom Hardy in a car. It's the whole movie. Oh. Well, I, I mean, those are just things to note. I, Yeah, I, I think I saw a Lego movie in January and I was like, well, that wasn't that crappy, but it definitely wasn't impressive by any means. So No, it's disappointing compared to the first, which I think we all agree the first Lego movie is a really... Solid movie. Very oh good. yeah, very good. Um, yeah, and the sure. Lego Batman movie is is great. Too. Yeah, Lego Batman movie is good. Lego movie two isn't bad. Like it's definitely intermittently funny, um, and and has kind of an interesting like twist at the end, like the first Lego movie, where you know because the whole movie, both movies are kind of extended metaphors, right? Right. Um, for the family that's really operating the Legos. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but um, just as as a whole, it was not as consistently entertaining the way the first one was. Just kind of this great. 
Yeah, it's not the same directors. It wasn't Lord and Miller. And yeah. I think that could have been part of it. So here's what I want to do, just to structure our show real fast before we get into all the conversation. Let's finish up our conversation about Lego Movie 2, and then I want to comment on Captain Marvel, which Jizio and I have seen. Cameron, you didn't see Captain Marvel, but I'm sure you'll have some comments alongside with it. And then, of course, the meat and potatoes of this episode is going to be us. Uh, that is the film. I, just, I saw it last night. Uh, a lot of things to talk about, and... Yeah, well, we will get to that. We will also be doing spoilers for the first two films we're talking about. Um, and as we get to us, we will start with no spoilers for you. And then we'll probably do 20 minutes of spoilers. We'll let you know beforehand. And then we'll say, hey, at about this time, we're going to stop spoiling the movie. And and I'm on the, I'm watching the clock, so don't worry. If you skip to that timestamp, we will be uh, complete with that. The post show is usually a show that is called Nothing to Do With Anything. We don't We talk about like whatever the heck we want to. Um, but because we have Juzo here, we are going to stick with the theme of movies. I want to hear about the films that stand out to you. They're probably smaller or artsier uh, from the first quarter of 2019. And then also movies to look forward to. I'm sure you guys have a couple on the top of your head that are coming out this year. So uh, just just to finish up, there's not much to say about Lego Movie 2, um, but I, I do have some things I want to share about it. Okay. And... Primarily, like you were saying, Juzo, I really enjoyed the first one. And the thing I noted right away from Lego Movie 2 is that there was no emphasis on the world in which the characters existed, right? The beginning has this atmospheric, like, apocalyptic parody going on. And that's enjoyable. That's probably the most that the setting gets characterized. But after that, you understand what the world around these characters is you understand the scope of the world and therefore it's just less interesting than the first movie uh the first movie there's like this idea of warping between themes of legos you're like what is going on like this is such an interesting world even if there was no connection to reality right you're like this is an awesome setting for a movie and the, in the first one there's also like almost a surprising uh breaking of rules in a certain way like it it keeps you on your toes because they they like break through the the sky wall. Oh yeah, and they go into Western world yeah, and stuff. And it's yeah. it's very interesting how they how they make that a like you were saying, yeah. like they make that a character. That's fine. I didn't even think of that, but there it is kind of like one location after the whole the big splashy opening. Right. Um, Which I think the opening of Lego Movie Two is very fun. Yeah, and, it is. It is. Yeah, and I, and I think it's very well put together. Something else I noticed is that there was no heavy reliance on uh, third party or or outside licensing. Um, that the first movie really leaned into. You had, uh, I think it was like Ninja Turtles, like Gandalf, uh, of course, all of anything Warner Brothers owns, like Justice League and DC Comics stuff. Um, But there was just little references in the first Lego movie that stood out as being like just very aware of pop culture, right? And usually pop culture references or, or, or things that lean into pop culture can be cringy, but Lego Movie 1 did a lot of like lighthearted stabs at all the stuff you've seen before. It just wasn't as fresh in the second movie. The best scene, spoilers, uh, in the Lego Movie 2 that's a pop culture reference is seeing uh, Bruce Willis's character hiding in a vent with a lighter. Oh, that was kind of funny, mm. yeah. Um, referencing Die Hard he's like I've been up here in the vents forever <laughs> and it's like oh that's just, that's pretty yeah. funny it really was Bruce Willis too yeah. doing the voice yeah and 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 that scene was great but there are, there are things in Lego Movie that like or Lego Movie 2 besides the setting being neglected as a character 
that just come across way more irritating than the first movie. The first movie... Are we it, talking about Tiffany Haddish's character? Just like... The whole, the, all the musical numbers, really. What, what's with yeah. all the musical numbers? Yeah, those were... It just grinds the whole movie to a halt. It wasn't good. <sighs> there, there are comic moments in the musical things. I am not a fan of musicals at all. But there, there are certain. I like musicals, and I wasn't crazy. Th- about there it. are certain scenes that I thought were really funny, like they sing "Everything Is Not Awesome" at the end, which uh, at the beginning. No, no, it's at, at the it's, end. It's at the end. Oh, okay. Um, that it's just That's I'm, kind of dour. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's like a kind of a dark, um, midsection, almost like a Toy Story burner scene, mm. um, where all the toys are thrown away, almost ish. Um, but. Yeah, like, just things that fell flat for a Lego movie, too. And I wanted to be blown away like I was the first time. It was sad that they didn't get super... There was just so much less shock value in mm. in, in the way the plot... Well, that's the thing. is like, once you know about the whole human side of it, you kind of are... You don't have that kind of ace in the hole the way the first movie did which which really was kind of the the crux of the movie's like emotional center which is that you're seeing like oh this is really what this movie is about with this movie um you kind of already know what's going on there is a little bit of a twist that actually was kind of uh, i mean was a little bit satisfying to me with the siblings um because that's yeah. kind of what it turns out the movie's about it's about like siblings fighting over legos um you know i can relate to that i guess but but it, it, it's it's a weird movie because I think actually, unlike a lot of movies, the themes of the movie are actually decently thought out. And They're very well It has together. an interesting kind of side where, where it's making the hero almost the villain of the movie or the hero is the one who's is flawed, which I like. Yeah. You know, when we get to Captain Marvel, that like that's kind of a problem that a lot of movies, exactly. superhero movies, mainstream movies have. Um, but... It was it was the fact of the pacing of the movie and the humor in the movie that was that fell flat. It just wasn't entertaining the way the first movie was, and you kind of need that as well, um, coupled with the themes. Well, there's a lot of smart stuff in the movie, like like you're saying, the humor doesn't land, but it also falls into place with the world that they had constructed. No pun intended. Um, like the idea that there is this spaceship that shows up that's made out of the sisters' Lego parts, right? And Batman throws a battering at it, and the the sisters' like spaceships like you missed me, even though he like hit every single one, right? And Batman's like, no, I didn't, I hit you. And it's like the kids in the theater are like, ah ha ha, they're arguing, right? But there's also like some deeper commentary built up in that moment where it's like when you play with your siblings as kids, the rules are always shifting, right? Right, right. Where it's right. like, oh, like. I mm. hit you with a with a Nerf gun, right? And they're like, "No, you didn't." Like you oh, totally I have three missed. lives, yeah, right. Like, or, or the, there's <laughs> I'm, things I'm on base, yeah. And it's like I think that stuff went completely over the audience's head. Mm, I don't think they're like, "Oh, this is." It went over my head because I was just thinking it's funny that Batman can't hit the exactly. They're like, like "Oh, haha!" Yeah. Like Batman didn't hit her, or they're arguing. Batman arguing so. Funny. I thought that part was funny. Like actually, Will but... Will Arnett, but to me, I'm like, "Whoa, that's actually like really smart to how kids actually play with each other." Right. Right. right? right. And so there, there's great elements like that. I think the theme at the end um, saying, like, everything isn't awesome and it's good to, like, love your siblings almost. Like, they're going to be there with you. Like, there's there's some good themes about, like, being friends with each other and making things work even though it's, like, hard. I'm like, those are positive messages for kids, you know? I just, I, I, I felt like as an adult watching it, I was like, eh, 
you know, I, I'm glad it's there for people who are excited and it's definitely smarter than most animated movies. It just, like you're saying, Giselle, I, I think it just fell more flat than I had hoped. Yeah. So, yeah. Actually, the better animated movie this year was the How to Train Your Dragon movie. Should I talk about that briefly or do you want to go to... Yeah, why don't you touch on that? Because I haven't seen it. Have you seen the other ones? Yeah, I saw the first one and the second one. I enjoyed them both, and I'm always... uh, For some reason, dude, I'm always skeptical when I walk into those films. I'm just like, man, it's not that good. Like, it's not that good. And then I saw the second one, and I was like... Well, here's the weird thing. I've listened to the music from the first movie for the nine years since it came out, but I only just saw the movie... um, uh, a few months ago before the the new one was coming out it's a great movie the first one first how to change dragon wait you listened to the score i've listened to the score for some reason the score is so good it's amazing it's, it's like one good. of the best scores ever written yeah yeah and so I, I had been listening to that like in middle school and high school but i never actually saw the movie because it just looks stupid but it's <laughs> like it's not a stupid it's like to me it's almost like a better version of of black panther because it's about a, a a person who grows up with a certain ideology and he comes to question his exactly. father and he comes to question the society he's grown up with um on top of just being an entertaining funny delightful movie and the, both the sequels are not they're not nearly as good as the first one but the third one's a pretty solid movie and really has some interesting uh metaphorical significance i guess you could say because mm-hmm. in a way it's sort of about the fact that the dragons are over with the dragons and humans are overpopulating the their land and, and they can't really co- coexist for any longer and also they're being hunted by humans so it's it's partly about the fact of of um, the dragons being harmed by the uh, evil of humanity uh. and it's also about the fact of the main character sort of almost like a parent having to let this dragon go and it sort of becomes this whole thing about about parents because also the dragon meets a girl dragon yeah and so yeah. There, there's all this sort of like parallel with parenting but is it better than bow <laughs> well i don't know i mean <laughs> probably not i mean because bow's just simple beautiful little mm. movie but um but it's it's a very touching movie like mm. it really and the and the ending of the movie this this whole idea of the dragons having to go into hiding or whatever i mean it's like a really powerful ending for the for the series and i think it is going to be it's like the definitive conclusion uh, i so. i just remember watching how to change your dragon 2 and there are a lot of moments that weren't in the first one that it just felt like way more cheesy and but it was no, it's a little bit but cheesy. like but no, like the, the movie, stakes but. are like raised so much more in the second one it's supposed to be way darker but then like the jokes are way cheesier like it's like the jokes were cheesy mm-hmm. in the first one but there's a light-hearted like youthfulness to the yeah. first movie the second one it's like they try to tap into that youthfulness with the jokes, but then the stakes are like death, right? Like, but it's yeah, a, and also in the first movie, the, the the thing that worked in the first movie is that the goofiness was fit into the the story of the movie because it's about how this person is seeing that the way he's growing up is ridiculous, right? And so the goofiness fits into that. But in the second movie, it doesn't work nearly as well. And there's as, something almost schizophrenic. Go ahead. As well as he's he's sort of supposed to be the outcasts and the goofy character you know like yeah. he's supposed to kind of be the the nerd of the of the group in the first one and yeah. then once he sort of uh changes everybody's mind it becomes like the hero yeah how can, you, how can you do yeah. that you yeah know, how yeah. can you do that well no the second one is definitely the weakest of the series and i think it the, it, the director it's, it's just like a, a strange thing because there are moments in all three of those movies that are absolutely like as good as a pixar movie 
but there's stuff that Pixar would never put in hmm. except for like Cars 2 or something. <laughs> but like I, I was talking to my friend Adam when we saw the movie that in in How to Train Your Dragon the the side characters kind of are don't work like they're kind of just for kids, but as adults they just are kind of stupid. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um whereas like movies like Toy Story, the supporting characters are as funny or even more funny when you get older. Like Rex in his subplot in Toy Story 2 is like still something I'd talk about with my brother. Him trying to defeat Zerg, he finds the magazine. I mean, it's like one of the funniest things in any movie. Um, so they they don't quite nail that aspect of it. But the relationship between Hiccup and the dragon really carries through all three movies. And, it, and it's a really a wonderful arc. Yeah, no, I... I'm curious to see it. I wasn't as compelled to go to the theater to watch How to Train Your Dragon 3. Um, I don't know why I have this sensation of cringiness whenever I see a trailer or anything related to How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, I think the trailers it, are cringy. I, mean, I It looked bad to me. It was only because the film critic gave it his highest rating. And I was like, oh, I got to check this out. I yeah. think it's the 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 name and the and the font, <laughs> to be honest. There, there <laughs> are they, so many things not right. There's something about just the... And how they, it's presented play, it, it is yeah. actually presented like uh yeah. almost immaturely like yeah. almost like it is all kids movies look like that. if you look at the trailer for paddington it looks horrendous yeah and, like, and, or, Le- and lego movie too yeah right? or, like, dude I, this is actually what i was gonna say is um when we were talking about the lego movie i remember when the lego movie was just first announced and i was like this is going to be so terrible like i don't i did not i had absolutely zero expectations for how could they make a movie about about legos that doesn't make any sense and they and they really kind of blew me away um and and i think we're talking about i mean the first two movies we're talking about are kids movies and and there's something um that can be very uh like transcendently good about kids movies and there are some times where it just absolutely um, is horrible. It's the worst thing ever. And I yeah. think DreamWorks pretty pretty much... DreamWorks runs the gamut because Oof, yeah. there's stuff like... I mean, I, there's, I probably haven't seen most of their bad movies, but then it's like they pull out a thing like the, the um, holding out for a hero sequence in Shrek 2, which is like one of the greatest <laughs> things ever committed to film. I will stand <laughs> the, by that The Shrek movies are... The more I watch any like film essays or anything about Shrek, the more I'm blown away by those movies. <laughs> I dislike the first Shrek, but... I, I think the first two are, are great movies. Dude, I learned that the first Shrek through some video essay is actually like the whole purpose is to like hate on Disney. And oh, yeah. yeah. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. Like apparently the Lord Farquaad is actually modeled after that current CEO of Disney oh, at really? the time. That's fun. Yeah, Eisner. There's, yeah, yeah. there's a bunch of like hidden innuendo in it. And I was like, dude, I missed all well, also, of this. The whole yeah. idea of far, far away, like that whole kingdom is kind of based off of Disneyland. It's like a, it's commenting on the emptiness of those kind of fairy tales. Yeah. Um, and I think I it is very, it's very unique. Um, I, yeah. I like the first Shrek and I think I liked most of them. I wasn't too crazy about Shrek 2. I, I remember saw four, I, I liked the time travel one. Is that Shrek Forever After? I think oh that's my the one. They do time travel? Yeah. It's, <laughs> a, it's like a whole retrofitting strange oh, super plot. Yeah, that sounds like a disaster. Uh, that sounds an absolute, You guys ever Check seen... out Shrek 2 again, though. That movie is is fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, almost cursed it. It's so you know, good. <laughs> Puss in Boots got added in Shrek oh, 2. Oh, I haven't so. seen that one yet. But... No, I haven't seen the Puss in Boots movie, but he wasn't in the first one, which is hard to think about, right? Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, 
He was only in the second one, yeah. right? You guys ever seen a shark's tail? Don't even. <laughs> I think I started watching it when I was little, and it freaked me out. And it's I horrible. Watching. I don't yeah. want to talk about. It just looks awful. I don't want to talk about Flushed Away. And Lord, oh, I like Flushed Lord Away. Lord knows, I do not want to talk about Madagascar Three. Physical torture. <laughs> I never saw. Three. Is the best definition. Did of you Madagascar know? 3. I saw Madagascar Three in a pre-screening event <laughs> when I was like thirteen. How embarrassing. Or maybe I was older than that. Maybe I was like 15 or something. But I saw it at, like, literally at DreamWorks because... It's probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's witnessed. terrible. It's really terrible. I There are plenty of musical notes in that movie, and they are beyond obnoxious. But the first Madagascar is Tom actually Zimmer. very good. I love the no, first Madagascar. No, it's not. The it's, first Madagascar? Yeah, it's very good. I love yeah. it. I love it. Only the penguin scenes. Nothing well, else. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's the, just no, the penguins. I actually and their spy movie within the movie. As a that, ki- as a kid, I thought the whole like stranded island thing was great. Not to say it was original, but as a kid, I had never seen anything too much like that. I, and I don't. I didn't even like it when I was a kid. I I loved. I, but I, I like the second one weirdly. I don't know why. Really? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. No. When they when they try to go uh, to Africa, slingshot all... themselves to Africa. Oh, that was great. The plane sequence is legendary. <laughs> That's great. I mean. I, the only, the only DreamWorks movies that are like completely like unironically good though are like the first two Shreks, The Prince um, of Egypt. I haven't seen that one. But Kung Fu excellent. Panda is a great movie. Oh, yeah, very good. Um, and I think the I liked Kung Fu Panda sequels too, but I don't know why. They're they're okay. I don't I mean, think he's I a watched great the third one. Yeah, but I like Jack Black. The first one is definitely the first very one is good. like an yeah. amazing movie. Yeah. Um, it's no, it is noticeable that DreamWorks. Does the same thing Pixar does in terms of like, oh, we we make a new IP, it does all right, and now we're gonna make lots of sequels that aren't as good, right? Yeah. And g- granted, Pixar seems to do that better. They're better as sequel. Uh, you know, I I don't know how. I, I would feel say about it. shot for shot, Pixar probably has better sequels. Right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. C- because they have the Toy Story better sequels. Movies. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's that's pretty much the only reason I'm hiccuping on that. So the thing with both both companies though is th- there's every sequel is unnecessary though. Other than the Toy Story ones are the only ones that actually deepen the movie. The first movie, like it actually, there's a reason for them existing. I don't know about the fourth one that's coming out. Ugh, but why is that even existing? Know. But the Dragon movies, th- those sequels actually do sort of elevate the first movie. I do think yeah. I remember someone called How to Train Your Dragon two the Empire Strikes Back for How to Train Your Dragon, and after watching it, I was like, I see that. Yeah, I mean, um, not as great, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. They're, they're, that comparison could be made. Right? Yeah, definitely. So. As terms of DreamWorks going, I feel like their original movies are not as good as Pixar, but they still hold up really well. It's just Pixar sequels are awful. That's that's, that's how true. that's the, how I feel about it. Only the Cars ones and Monsters <laughs> isn't very good, but the others are fine. Like Finding Dory is a perfectly decent movie. Never saw. No, no, no. I'm talking about uh, DreamWorks specifically. Oh, DreamWorks. Like DreamWorks' Pixar, original sorry. first films are really good, and I don't know if they're better than. Uh, what am I saying? <laughs> I don't know if they're better than Pixar's original first films, right? No. When you look at their original <laughs> no. IP, Pixar's... Yeah, unequivocally, no. Yeah, right? <laughs> Not even the best one. But, like, DreamWorks' like, first in a new series is usually better than every sequel that is off that first of that series. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty yeah. standard for most series, though. I mean, other I than, guess. like, Star Wars. I yeah. Um, I just... I know, like, we talked about Kung Fu Panda. Madagas- I know you don't like Madagascar, but Madagascar 1, I think, is pretty good. And oh man, Shrek one is good. Like I, their first ones, even How to Train a Dragon one, right? I think they're just solid at 
uh, introducing new IP. So that's besides the point. Any other thoughts on animated movies? We kind of went off the rails. Those are the only ones I've seen this year. Yeah. And weirdly, I like animated movies a lot when I watch them, but I'm absolutely never motivated to watch them. Yeah, it's because of the advertising, really. I think that's probably, what it is. yeah, probably. Yeah, and the it, advertising 100% of the time makes them look awful. Like, How to Train Your Dragon 2 has been on Netflix for, I don't know, probably like two years now. And I genuinely never been like, oh, yes, I would love to sit down and watch this movie. How to Train Your Dragon 2, you got to stick with, though, because it seems it's like long. it seems like a weak movie at first. And then, like, the last 30 minutes comes around and it's like amazing yeah, like the, it has an amazing last, final act the the I re, uh, the last 30 minutes stick in your head i don't even remember anything else about the movie i just yeah. remember the obsession with gray smoke at the end yeah and, and like, the whole thing of like you know him having to oh, i don't know how much i'm spoiling the movie but like him going to the dragon and because the dragons are are right. mind controlled right and the whole thing where he's like touching him and then they jump they they start falling out of the sky and he cuts to a wide shot and you see them all falling like yeah in unison it's like it's like better than most great Pixar moments, um, it's, but then it, there's like dumb jokes about like oh this guy's hot or whatever. I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah. weird. It's weird. But it has very epic moments. The the final oh, yeah. siege or whatever of the Dragon Mountain is like really cool. Yeah. Um. Anyways, besides the point, you know, if we're not talking about kids movies, we're definitely talking about Marvel movies. Amen. Oof. You know what I'm saying? Uh, oh, let's, what's the difference? Well, I, can we just like call ourselves chills now? <laughs> Well, except we hated the movie, right? Oh, I see. Uh, I mean, we're going to get into it. So this section is about Captain Marvel, and uh, we're assuming a majority have you have seen it because of the box office numbers, unless Disney's just buying seats to try to prove something. I'm not sure, but um, Captain Marvel, we are going to spoil because there's not much to spoil. And as far as it goes, Juzo sounds like you didn't really like it. It's not. I mean, it's not like water torture, but it's it's a it's one of their worst movies. I would say. I it mean, it really, ain't no. Uh, well, it ain't that, no Madagascar three. If but, that yeah. if that is not an endorsement, I I don't know what is. No, it's, just bad. <laughs> it's not. It's not water torture. I said this before the show, and I'll say it again. Most Marvel movies, it seems that Marvel in the most recent years is getting better and better, right? But even for the Marvel movies that are not so good. At least the main character is exciting, compelling, or at least likable, right? Mm. Uh, I didn't like Ant-Man 2. I don't even like Paul Rudd. I'll I'll say it, okay? I saw him in Friends for like four episodes. (laughs) But besides that, like, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man is quite funny. He's just a a hilarious character. It's hard not to like him. At at least he's a consistent, likable character. Yeah. The the problem with with, uh, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel is like... You can do the thing where the character is kind of cocky and unlikable and overly confident, but like with Iron Man, the first Iron Man, that's his whole character in the beginning of the movie. He's kind of a jerk, but the whole point of the movie is is that the movie is self-aware of that and it's his transformation as it goes on. And also it makes sense he'd be like that because he's a billionaire playboy, you know, like it makes philanthropist. Oh, that's the line. Tachambalist. <laughs> but in Captain Marvel, her, her, that personality doesn't ma- really make sense. She's crash landed on a planet that she doesn't, as far as she knows, doesn't know. Um, and she's also having this weird crisis of identity. And so why would she be walking around doing these like weird quips? The, to me, it's like you would want to play that role the way, um, 
Jason Bourne plays exactly. Mm-hmm. Bourne exactly. identity, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's what I was thinking of the whole movie, right? She's like, she doesn't know who he is, who she is. Make her like Jason Bourne. Yeah, like that but she has been, these powers and she has this weird memory. Yeah, like unnaturally, like I would, I would have loved to see a scene with Brie Larson just like ripping someone's head off or something, and her just being horrified, like what? Like yeah, I yeah, can snapping do this? someone's neck and being, like, or like, geez. or like using her laser fist to just like melt someone and be like, how did I just do that? Right, right. You know, right, like right. almost have a confusion and then a humble attitude instead. There is this quirky, snarky side of her, and I... They're going for, like, a quirky, like, buddy movie, but it, it also doesn't work because she's not funny, and and Samuel Jackson is, like, Hilarious. he's likable, but he's he's not he's, he's not astoundingly funny, though. I mean, he's he's just sort of, you like Samuel Jackson. I love him. Um, you know, Samuel Jackson's pretty funny. Oh, he's... No, he's funny in other things oh, but i, I mean see, it's I just see, I see. the movie has does not have a great script right um it's the direction is like it, i mean to explain for cameron who hasn't seen it it's like imagine if it was directed by the guy who made spotlight like it kind of oh. has that look to it it has a gray oh, kind no. of yeah i remember in the first scene where she's doing this like practice mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. martial arts with her le- uh, trainer um I was just like, why are you cutting so many times? Why does it look like this? I was thinking about the the um, hand-to-hand combat scene in Mission Impossible Fallout and how, like how it's it follows them. It's like these long takes. Yeah, it's yeah, handheld. Yeah. Everything about it fits the scene. And this is just these weird static shots. They choppy, just, choppy, yeah, choppy. Cut back and forth to, to probably hide the fact that they didn't actually do that scene. And uh, and I was like, oh, I, already I'm getting like weird vibe. And then the first action set piece is done in like fog. It's just, it's just badly... And the first action yeah. set piece is also split between three perspectives. A sniper, a squad, and a and yeah, her walking no, off alone. And there's no tension. And there's also, like, it's confusing. Because you don't yeah. realize, like, the enemies are shapeshifters at first. Like, there's 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 explanation, but there's also, like, what does that mean? Uh, the locals are yelling, like, and you're like, well, are the locals good or bad? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. You don't yeah. know what's going on, right? Mm. Yeah. Here was my big issue. Should we get into spoilers here? <laughs> We're spoiling it. I already okay. said okay. that. Okay. We're spoiling it. There's nothing to spoil, okay. I feel like. My issue is that Bray Larson's character is split between two uh, already existing Marvel characters, Captain America and Iron Man. There's the snark with a military... Vo- uh, it's, it's weird. Like There's like a military connection... Uh, she's like trying to be snarky, cool, and also the good soldier, right? But also mm-hmm. rebellious, but also mm-hmm. the good soldier, right? Or trying to do what's right, like every Marvel hero mm-hmm. tries to do, right? Yeah. Except for Deadpool, which makes him They're, a lot more interesting. Yeah. Um, but it just, like, I wanted them to lean into one, you know? Like, disconnect from military more, make it more about the snarky personality. Focus on the personality, or maybe go to like the good soldier experience, which they allude to but never really show, right? But but don't they have both of those characters already? Like, what is what is the point of having a a third character that does both of those things? I you know don't what I mean? No. Like, I don't. I don't see. Like, so I. We- I don't see why this movie exists. Really, like, if well, if it is what you're talking to, about, to, to it's like a built-in deus ex machina for the new avengers movie because he calls her at the end of the avengers and it's like oh we're bringing this hero i mean there's also there's other factors at play with with this movie like i mean 
I, I think we sort of have to address the elf in the room a little bit about the cultural debate around the movie or cultural. I won't even call it the debate because it's nothing so civilized. It's just people being childish. But mm-hmm. the, the idea of, of, you know, there's been 20 movies. There's no female lead like that part of it for a lot of people is important to a lot of people. Um, but would, but it's also interesting because I felt like in a lot of ways they were trying to go for the Wonder Woman thing as well, mm-hmm. Be- especially in the themes of the movie. And that's it, for me, what bothered me most about the movie was the potential of the movie because there are so many movies I was thinking of where that did each of these things better than th- this movie did because at the, at the end of the movie, it sort of becomes about her embracing her humanity. She realizes right. she's human with superpowers and that her allegiance to this alien has actually weakened her that actually she is um being held back by this this person yeah and that it's in the end of the movies this you know she she throws off the whatever chip he puts in her neck that controls her and she you know starts zipping around the universe and there's that song plays i'm just a girl something i i don't know yeah, that, was, that was bad I, okay but but, but, here, here, but whatever but the, my point is that the idea of of throwing off your whatever your past and embracing your humanity is like a really powerful thing in a superhero movie and that could really work like in wonder woman like you think about that scene where where chris pine is saying we got to go do the mission you can't save all these people and she's like no i'm gonna save these people and she gets up in the no man's land and Mm -hmm. goes Mm -hmm. and saves the village and that's like this amazing scene because it's not just because it's well choreographed and the action is great but because you are seeing this person who is making a personal decision. You're seeing a real, um, her, her embracing her humanity. But in this movie, there's not really a moment like that that you don't really see her. Well, um, there is a, there is a montage of like, but it's just her standing up. It's not, it's not about her being like, and again, another movie I was thinking that, that does it better order the Phoenix where there's the scene where Harry is, uh, being possessed by Voldemort and then he remembers all his friends and you see all his friends and his love for his friends is what, what makes him able to kick Voldemort out of him. You can't possess me because you don't know about love and it's sort of corny, but it it does work like emotion in emotional terms. And again, you don't really get that in this movie. It's just, it's just every aspect of the filmmaking. It's like, you see what it could have been. Yeah. yeah, But the cat was cute. So it's good. (laughs) There's so many things that, could have been executed much cleaner and more powerfully. Mm. For instance, there is this illusion for her, uh, illusion of her like being beaten down in her flashbacks all the time. And the montage I'm referring to is at the end where she stands up and and kind of breaks free of this alien control um, over herself is the same time where you see all the incidents of her getting thrown down and standing up. And to me, when I watched it, I was like, this is powerful. This is cool. Like, I actually liked the montage. It just felt uh, like wrong place, wrong time kind mm. of thing. And Well, those those moments should have been built up more. Of like that's you what you're seeing her more getting beaten down. And that comes to another point of the movie. Another problem with the movie is that the, you don't see enough moments of weakness. Like, the key thing in any movie, especially an action movie, is seeing a hero who is vulnerable. Not even, like, vulnerable like... Because people complain about like the Star Wars movies, like Ray as a Mary Sue, all this yeah. BS. But at least with Ray, you see her that she's scared in the scenario she's in. You see that she's you know worried that she's maybe going to make a mistake. That is all you need. 
Um, and with her, there's never any moments of doubt like yeah, that. And that's the big problem. That's what makes her feel like this sort of cold and passive character. The only thing that she has is a um, almost like an emotional loss at who she is. She's like, I want to know who I am, right? Yeah. But like there could have been... She, she suffers from the Superman syndrome. She's indestructible yeah, that too, pretty yeah. much, right? And when Superman is going through like emotional trial, there's still like... I have a hard time connecting with Superman at all because he's like, I'm worried about Lois Lane. I'm going to take like a full minigun to the chest, right? And it's like, <laughs> okay, what? okay. Oh, like, oh, okay. Like, like I just, the Zack Snyder movie. you know, like I'm, it's like, I, you, okay, you might be worried about one person, but you're going to be fine. So well, you're going to see him soon. You, you, know? see, like, you see, here's the thing that I think never works on screen with Superman, but um, is actually like, kind of an important part of his character that often gets missed is exactly what you're talking about is the human aspect of him. Yeah. Right. So he, his whole arc is, um, and this is the successful, this was actually the successful part of man of steel was, uh, seeing him growing up as a human and being, uh, being really connected to this like tiny little rural town in in wherever he is and and like him being him being a person before being Superman yeah. is actually the most important part. Of I hated Superman that movie, but I actually do agree with that. I I agree with what you're saying. It's just the, but it's never fleshed out well on screen. And and that's the same problem with Captain Marvel, right? right? It's right, not right. it's not fleshed out to a moment of like, I wish. What is it? Here's a perfect example. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. The whole theme of that movie is the idea it's like Spider-Man always gets up. And you watch Spider-Man get beaten down over and over and over again. Miles Morales, right? He can't stand up. And so the moment that he does stand up at the end is impactful. Oh, no, it's really satisfying. You're like, yes. That like, montage where he's flipping off the city. Yeah, it's Yeah, it's yeah. like, dude, he stood up. You know, there's like power behind that. Yeah. Instead, like... I think that was tr- what they were trying to do with Captain Marvel, but they never like they should never they should have never showed her stand up in those past flashbacks. They should have been specific moments of her failing and her doubting herself over and over and over again. So at the moment that she does stand up, like it's just like yes, you know, like break like break free, like go OP. Here's my other complaint about the movie, and this is completely personal, okay? I hate walking out of the movie and hearing a Dragon Ball Z power level conversation about Captain Marvel, okay? And here's what I mean by that. Every time I walk, or I talk about Captain Marvel at all, I hear this. Oh, she is so powerful. She's definitely going to beat Thanos. Like, dude, her like, she is super, you see how she took down all those missiles? She's like super, like, crazy powerful, like probably more powerful than Thor. I'm like, dude... What the heck? Like well, I don't. Yeah, it's like the same people who like are get into, who like really are, love that scene at the end of Rogue One where where Darth Vader kills all those people. Like their entire investment in these scene. movies. No, it's it's awful. <laughs> no, it, no, because it's it's those scenes are just for the people who whose investment in these big movies is just about power and it's right, just right, about. Right, right. Um, I see what you mean. Ba- oh, this is so badass, and it's like for me, what what's so gonna be. St- what I hope is going to be compelling about Endgame is that it's people who are really like 
weak and 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 finding a way to beat Thanos and having just someone who can do anything that's not interesting. That's but the, the best that... part of any action movie is when it's like John McClane. He's got glass in his right, feet, right, right. and he's still gonna go defeat Alan Rick. But isn't that Thanos in a nutshell? Like his character, like he he can literally do anything. Like literally. No, but he earns it. Right. Right. Yes. Th- I mean, <laughs> that's why it's important in in I mean, in the first one. But in Endgame, like like how do you how do you finish a movie like that you know what i mean like how do you well we haven't seen it yet but i i, yeah. th- I do think that I, it's just a concern for me is that he's cleverness i mean you, right, you need right. to have some kind of i mean i'm going through like superhero movies in my head like i don't know well i think the hero's journey in a in a superhero's movie is super important you know like i like that is the whole point right it's either being like weakened physically and then like fighting even harder to beat the villain or maybe something like logan where it's like his spirit is weakened yeah it it ends with him you know re-embracing that and it's like at this point with captain marvel it's like why isn't she just one punch man like why not just make (laughs) it a joke yeah you know like if she's not gonna if she cannot be beaten like you know, might as well make it a comedy. You know, I, I, I just <laughs> short subjects. Yeah, yeah. It the movie falls flat, and and something else I was saying to you, Juzo, is that the supporting cast, Samuel Jackson and the green alien dude, even the cat, are more interesting than Captain <laughs> yeah. Marvel. Even the, the 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 her friend who is actress, I haven't seen Lashana Lynch. Yeah, she's great. I've never seen before. I mean, she's got terrible lines, but yeah. at least she. Is feels like a real person. She yeah. feels like you. Uh, I cared more about her when she did that little move with her ship. That was the only part of the movie that was clever. That wasn't just about brute force. It was where she drove around the canyon in front of the alien and then then shot him. And I was like, oh, that was clever. It's because there's I wish vulnerability the rest of the movie was and like there's stakes, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Overall, Captain Marvel falls flat, in my opinion. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear. I think the directors have come out and said that she is not. The ultimate key to Endgame. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm sure that Endgame is going to be a focus on the last movie. A, that's a bad because you have all these characters you've built up over like two or three. They movies. need to be the focus, right? Yeah, it's I don't know. That, that's what's going to be exciting. And and also, I love that they have a hundred percent confirmed that some of the footage they're using, or I think they confirmed it. I'm not sure. The first Avengers Infinity War trailers used footage that was never in the movie. Mm-hmm. And so now they're throwing out tons of advertisements. And, like, I'm watching them. I don't care. I know you guys are, like, against trailers. But I watch them. I am. Like, He's, no, I watch them. And, and, and I sit there and I watch them and I'm like, dude, I wonder how much of this is, like, not actually, mm-hmm. like, going to be in the movie. You'd be surprised how many movies, even, even like, Moonlight, you'll see, like, hey, that shot's not in the movie. Or yeah, that scene's yeah, not yeah. in the movie. Rogue One was so guilty of that. It was Oh, ridiculous. my gosh. I actually yeah. remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, should we talk about a movie that I have seen? Yes, let's get <laughs> to just kidding. Let's yeah, get to us because I think us is probably one of the biggest standouts of 2019 so far. Uh, we are just cracking into April as of right now, and we're gonna get to your guys' artsy films. Just to let you know, we're at the 46 minute mark. Cool. Um, let's get to it. Let's I, get into it, guys. I, w- I would say this might be my second favorite movie of the year, actually. Oh, I think second after what? I, th- I think climax is still my favorite. Really? Movie. Yeah, oh, wow. I think it's really climax is a but great movie. In any case, um, yeah, we so me and Jesus saw us together. You saw us last night. That's um, right. And I liked it quite a bit. Like I liked it a lot. Um, I think it has some uh, certain structural problems that I that I have a hard time getting over. Um, but for the most part, I think it's just such a well crafted movie. As in, it it's it's 
very tight. The script is very tight other than my specific problems with it. The script is super tight and it everything pays off and everything is so worth watching and worth remembering and and it it's just thrilling to watch. It like is. It's really it is. Just, it's not just thrilling. It's entertaining. I don't like yes, horror absolutely. movies. And some people say this isn't a horror movie. It's creepy. Oh, it's a horror. It's a horror. Yeah. No, it's definitely up there with like scary movies. Some I've people seen. are like, oh, it's it's more like thriller esque. I think it's because there's no jump scares. This is this is what I'm gonna say. I think isn't that the, there one the movie, the movie harkens back to classic horror. Right, everything comes from something. There's a I I took a I took a class that was like. Uh, about classic horror films, and we watched all these black and white horror movies, movies like uh, Gaslight, the original uh, Dracula, um, just a, a bunch of different ones. I think we watched uh, portions of Frankenstein, and uh, there's Carnival a, of Souls. Did you watch that? No, no. Did we you watch the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari? No. Oh, there um, was there was a really weird. Was it a Key and Peele skit about the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari? Really? I don't think it was actually. I think it was something else. It might have been. Um, uh, it might have been Tim and Eric actually, oh. um, where they th- like the. It was like back in the day when Netflix used to mail you movies, right. and the next Netflix guy, like the Netflix representative, kept kept being like, "Hey, have you seen the the Cabinet of Doctor Caligari?" And he like, kept, "Oh yeah," kept like rep- like like putting it in his mailbox and stuff. It was a very weird skit. Do you do you know what I'm talking about? I don't think that's Tim and Eric. That that sounds like something maybe like College Humor or maybe CPL or something like maybe. that. Maybe yeah. I think it. I think I it's have, a. I think I've seen that. I think it's a reference to how you watch Doctor Caligari in like every every film class but okay. i mean for me i watched uh breathless in every film class oh, so that, that would be my movie that God. should never go, it can never go away besides but. the point it was really cool to what i considered to watch a classic horror movie in 2019 with like modern film technique and yeah. and, and skill and how it still harkens back something i noted uh when i came out of the theater is my favorite sort of like thrilling like horror shots are shots where you're focused on the uh, on the um what's in front of you like the foreground but in the background is like mm-hmm. the jump you or, should or, see or, hereditary or the scare uh-huh. right yeah. and um there there's like a great scene where two characters are walking down a hallway and one of like the enemies or the scary characters is in the background and you don't notice until you see motion they're in a handstand motion so their feet are in the air mm, yeah. and the feet come down and they're like like you hear people in the theater be like oh snap like there's yeah, someone behind yeah, them yeah, right yeah, yeah. with a red jumpsuit blending in with the red truck that's the oh, that's yeah, the other yeah. one that's a that was a great a great scene but that that kind of horror is is um so tasteful in my opinion it's so fun too yeah. it's very like like i hate the kind of stuff the like I don't know paranormal activity stuff where it's it's all about the sort of shock hum the shock horror the shock like jump scares and whatnot um like like that stuff to me seems it's not even really scary it's just it's just startling it's, it's startling like exactly and to me what horror really should do when it's great is it's about it's about tapping into like your own fears and tapping yeah, in, both yeah. psychological fears in in early movies oftentimes it's like fear of like like there is no god like that's mm. like the witch is kind of about that a little bit right, right, right. um even like carrie you could say is a little bit you know there's some aspects of, of faith going on um that's what's interesting and, and definitely but, us fulfills that but this i mean this movie taps into one of mine and i think i one of your 
personal fears, which is like home invasion. Is oh, like yeah, something one of the that, best that, home invasion sequences I've ever seen. Yeah, that terrifies me personally. Which is why, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. a little click sound. But yeah, I love that it's not a big like loud noise when they start moving. Mm. She just like makes that little noise, yeah. and they go. Whoosh. And everyone in the audience goes, oh, like, yeah, really yeah. loud. Yeah. It's great. Well, and, and it was such a fun audience to see it with. Although, I had a bunch of gigglers next to me, and I was not about that. I have oh, to say, yeah. I like the movie balances comedy and horror, which is one of my favorite things. Horror needs comic relief. You need mm-hmm. to have a, a, a moment to kind of like breathe outwards, right? And this movie, like, I just can't stress how fun it is. It's not a perfect movie. It is not a perfect movie, but it is so enjoyable to watch. Like, I just want to say, if you haven't seen this movie and you have any ounce of care for horror movies, I hate horror movies. I don't watch them. Like, this was, like, totally up my alley. Mm. And it was it was a great time. And Scared, it, yes or no? Um. Okay, so I, I have to disclose this. No, right, I, right. I read the spoilers before. Right, right, right. right, right. And the reason I did it is because... People like I can't handle horror movies. That is just it's just a thing. And I was glad to read the spoilers because it helped me pick up on nuances and little things that would have made a second viewing more valuable. Juzo, you've seen the movie three times. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the experience you get when you see it again. Certain things that you pick up on and and it the the whole um there are certain things towards the end that recontextualize a lot of the movie anyway. Right. So Right. And and the, and we're gonna get into the spoilers probably in about five minutes here. But um yeah, just like it was great to sit there and and just enjoy like the way Jordan Peele presented what he thinks horror is. Just just the first jump scare. Not even really a big spoiler. It's like this. Uh, it, it takes place in Santa Cruz, which also made it a lot very enjoyable for me because we live near Santa Cruz. Um, but there there's this jump scare with an owl that pops out mm, of the wall. Yes. Oh yeah, yes. Yes. and I'm like, that's hilarious. Yes, like the jump scare isn't even like. It almost sounds like a comment on but, jump scares. But yeah, the, like they're but meaningless. The, but the actual scary part of that sequence happens so slowly. Right, the actual scary wow. part of it's it not when the lights her, go out. Yeah. No, no, it's her turning around and seeing the what's supposed to be a mirror, but it's her back, and that is actually like like it's oh, giving about me tingles she, right now. Or when it's she starts scary. whistling, and then the uh, well, other one starts harmonizing. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. It's just, and it's, then it comes back again. Like you thought that w- that was scary enough, but the second time you watch it, it's even worse. It's even scarier. You yeah. know, like it. I think it is genuinely a frightening movie. Like it, it taps into something that you're like, something almost like inherently creepy. There's there's something very like. There's something oof, something about like, doppelgangers that it's like it, it, you see in your dreams and right right. Th- right there's right. there's a lot of sort of odd psychological um weight to that kind of idea and also um but it's like chilling you know it's like it's very like oof like it gives you chills something i want to know is i did not know the fate of the characters in the film for my spoilers Uh so that was very enjoyable and i think it definitely heightened the experience right i was like Mm -hmm. i don't know who's gonna live and who's gonna die and um overall like very satisfied with the ending usually horror movie endings are like kind of hit or miss or bittersweet and I think that this horror movie like was very it, it's like one of those movies you walk out of and everyone's like talking about it mm, yeah. I went with like casual movie watchers and they're like oh like what did that mean or did you pick up on this like they were saying things that I didn't even notice and I knew the spoilers and I was looking for it right, right? And I was like this is great like it, I love that kind it of it happened at my work too where 
you know people at my work know i i love movies i'm a film buff and 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 so i i told them oh yeah i'm gonna go see us blah 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 and then i came in and they were like so what do you think you know like they were they were just like ready to talk about yeah, the movie yeah. you know and and actually for the most part i know there's been kind of divided criticism about it some people are really not liking it and some people are are really liking it but for the most part for from the people who i've talked to it's all been very similar in that it's like it's very very good with some caveats right yeah. i think like, most it seems like most people fall into the category of either good very good and then a few great and i don't know for me i'm i'm a little I almost like do I need to see it a fourth time because the first time I saw it I was ready to say like I'm this is gonna be the best movie of the year like mm. I've seen only like 15 movies I could already say that but seeing it again it's like I, I start to recognize some of the flaws that we'll get into um, but I still sort of love it there's something about it that really I think maybe it's like that tapping into a lot of different fears and and it's the sort of movie I like like it kind of reminds me of like those great sort of high concept David Fincher movies like Panic Room or mm. something like that yeah where Something about it is just something I really in, enjoy about it. So I want to say that I can't. I can't say it anymore. For me, I don't like horror, and I mean, if you, if you got to do the same thing I did, which is basically spoil the movie and then watch it, is so enjoyable. Like it's just like such a fun roller coaster, and there's even a roller coaster in the movie, Giant Dipper. Bit, so, yeah. um, which last- is so weird because I used to be absolutely terrified of that. Of that exact ride. Oh, dude, that that first scene where they're walking on the boardwalk, the giant dipper runs by, and there's like a high piercing string that goes up. Mm-hmm. Very like, or the humming sound that those I forget what the, what it's called, but there's one where it's spinning around and they're on wires, yeah. yeah, and it's making this humming sound that sounds like voices. It's the just that opening scene with the flashback is everything about it. Santa is Cruz so Beach Boardwalk. Done. I hope you make a ton of money. But no. growing oh up, I mean, growing, we lived. We live in San Jose, yeah. or I lived in San Jose. You still do. And the beach boardwalk was like something that we would do in the summer because you would collect enough Pepsi cans yep. and you would be able to get all the rides for free and oh. and like, or like 20 free rides yeah, or something. something like that. And so we would just go every summer. We would like collect Pepsi cans all, all, all you know, winter long. And, that and then place go is every summer. so like grimy and weird yeah. already. Santa Cruz is super weird. But like as a kid, you have like this, there's almost this like, I mean, I still have a fondness for, for the beach board. Right? Yeah, like yeah. it's, it's just very, there's something very nostalgic about it if you've grown up there. So, I mean, I am interested to see how the setting sort of plays in a more, uh, uh, nationwide audience yeah you know? and, and Cameron you mentioned right or your roommate mentioned that he was watching a video review and someone was Australian and a lot of the stuff went over their head mm, so yeah. that that could be another thing to note last thing I want to comment on unless you guys have other things to say before spoilers is how phenomenal the acting is in this movie oh oh my amazing. god amazing yeah. amazing like yeah. that alone may if, if you care about acting right go see this movie because it, it lets you watch an actor perform in a range. Like there's there's usually like a character sworn to a character, but they get two tones and two characters in this yeah. movie. Right? And and both characters, especially Lupita Nyong'o's lead character, your perception of her really changes throughout the movie and your understanding of her. And she really makes you believe every sort of transformation mm-hmm. and every iteration of that character from kind of like, you know, seemingly normal person to uh, maybe a more sinister side or or yeah 
both as the villain and as the hero of the yeah. movie which yeah i mean genuinely i think lupita nyong'o is like one of the the best actresses working right now like i think she's so 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 excellent yeah um and- like two other things the the child who portrays lupita as a child mm, excellent very good and yeah. the daughter is like stunning Stunning mm. in the movie, like her doppelganger versus her oh, as a character yes, is yes, yes. so smiling, vast, yeah. so vastly different. Right, yeah. right and right. I loved it. I yeah. I just thought it was so good. But and continue. even the little boy too. I mean, every every performance is like is like smashing, like absolutely, yeah. just yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, except for Tim Heidecker, no, he's oh he's, he's excellent. <laughs> he's excellent. He's amazing. That I mean, that made me giggle like so much. Oh, me too. And like Winston Duke as the as the corny dad, yeah, who yeah. like he dabs not because he thinks it's cool, but just to like annoy his daughter. <laughs> like that, it's just great. Well, and he's great so writing. Yeah. Great writing. Yeah. Anyways, so should we get in? Should we jump into this the spoilers? Let's of it? let's jump into spoilers, guys. We are at the hour mark, mm. so I'm assuming we'll probably touch on indie films in the last ten minutes, ten to twenty minutes. Okay, yeah. so we're gonna go to about one twenty with spoilers. I will wrap us up at that time frame. Okay. Um, lots to comment on this movie. So definitely, if you haven't seen it. Go see it. Go enjoy it. If you're a little wuss like me, read the spoilers or listen to this section of the spoilers, then go enjoy it. I, I do think that we're going to spoil more than what you would want to know. So if you want... like, Oh, if, no. If you're going to see the movie, don't listen to this part. In fact, yeah, we should have yeah. said up front that it's just like, see the movie no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Uh, that, I think he's intentionally made it in a way for people, also like you, Isaac, because... He knows that with Get Out, he's sort of has enough goodwill that there are people who are going to see this movie who would never see a horror movie. Yeah. That was the two people next to me. Yeah. Um, and which is, I think, why they were talking throughout the movie. Yeah. They were genuinely Nervous just talking, talking yeah. throughout yeah. the movie. But it was, really? I think it was because they were like, oh, I don't know. Because they, they came in, they walked in at very apprehensive being like, like oh, I don't know. Exactly. I, if something scary happens, yeah. I'm going to leave, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I... My question to, I guess, both of you is, like, should my girlfriend see this movie? Because she absolutely cannot do horror movies. What part of horror, is it gore or? The scariness. Just the scariness, period. Yes. You know what I think you should do with her? Hmm. I think Sit you... her down and say, be a, be a man. <laughs> no, no. I, I honestly think if you spoil parts of it for her, which I know you don't want to do, it will be way more enjoyable for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... I wouldn't mind doing... I wouldn't mind... Um, I don't know. I mean, that depends if she's... I, like, honestly, if you want her to enjoy the film craftsmanship, I which think, is what I went yeah. there for, like, it's totally worth a watch. And it's so fun. Like, even if you know what's gonna happen, it's so fun. Or or maybe go in, like, you should see it with her and, and do, like, what I did with my little brother when we saw Get Out, which is, like... Like tap him if there's gonna be something. Like just be like, okay, right, jump scare right, coming right. up here, right here. You know, right. just or see. There's she, really like one really gory moment in the movie. Like she watched Get Out and she she was fine with that. Like it it wasn't. I but think, Get Out's not that scary. So yeah, it's more definitely creepier than Get Out, but it's not much. Yeah. But so, I mean, the definitely thing, see it, Keanu. The problem the problem with it is, I know that if she starts to watch it, she's going to turn it off within the first. 15 minutes i know that's, that's gonna why you happen. gotta see it in the theater so you can't leave yeah, yeah uh, I mean, I here's the other thing though like jules and i saw it together and i unapologetically was like 
I don't like horror movies, I'm going to whisper to you kind of like the whole time or be mm-hmm. like, yo, that's so cool. Or like, I'm going to just appreciate this with you for a second. Like, uh, there's a scene with an escalator towards the end of the movie. I'm like, I love the way that looks. Like, yeah, it looks yeah. so good, you know? Or or like, you know, we're giggling at the beginning song with the bunny rabbits. We're just like, what the heck is happening? This is so funny. Mm-hmm. Like, um, but yeah, over, overall, um, really cool. So I, I want to s- state it. Spoilers starting now. Okay. Okay. But yes, I think you should. You should definitely. They take... all die in the end. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> None of them do. Well. Okay. Yes. Take Kiana to see it. Yeah. Here's where I want to start with you guys. Let's talk about how this movie provides a platform to interpretation. And I want to hear what you guys interpreted the film to be about. Mm. Because it is upfront artistic just from the beginning, right? You see the weird music and, and the weird bunnies. Um, I was just like, oh, like this movie is leaning into the fact that it is an artistic film. But it also knows that people who are watching it like may not usually be used to artistic movies. So I want to hear what you guys took away from the film. Why did it stick with you? What are like sort of the themes or ideas that you thought promenaded the movie? Well, I'll go first because I think a lot of people, I think, have been picking up on sort of the more socio-political aspect of the film. And it is a very political movie. Don't get me wrong. Um, but that was sort of less interesting. Those Those parallels were less interesting to me than the parallels about filmmaking. Um, which is, I think, actually what makes what sells the movie to me, at least. The movie is, in my mind, um, among other things, a, a deconstruction of the way horror and comedy like run almost almost like the the two mirror selves. Yeah, like that. I think that to me was the was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm sold on this metaphor because not only does he, he kind of explain it throughout the movie of being like, well, one, one thing is, you know, has everything good happen to them. And one thing has everything uh, awful happen to them. And that's, that is the case in, in horror and in comedy. But then he also, he also says they're, they're directly linked. And then he actually physically directly links horror and comedy in the movie. Yeah, that's like a really interesting point you made because I didn't even think about that connection at all. Yeah, I mean, well, like I think he builds a lot of that up in Get Out actually is like Get Out is kind of the prime example of him because he's just I mean, before Get Out, he was known for comedy. comedy. Like that's just what he did. And when Get Out came came out, it it was like, oh, wow, this is actually kind of genuinely frightening, you know, in, in a lot of places like I People and dealing with really, serious issues as well. Yes, yeah. and people didn't really expect that. Um, and part of what's super interesting about about the comedy and just historically, I'll I'll just give some yeah, historical yeah. background. Part of what's really interesting to me about horror and comedy, because um, I, I actually took like genre classes on both of them, um, mm-hmm. is they are very often used as a way to. Um, either introduce or uh, sort of comment on things that are happening socially at the time. Yeah. Um, So with horror specifically, like you can link a lot of, a lot of the horror in, in like the sixties and seventies, especially like zombie 
zombie horror um to you can link that to like fears of nuclear holocaust right um and then it, it same thing in this is kind of the the famous example but the same thing in um in the early 2000s there was a lot of um similar zombie movies but they were they were based around sort of terrorism fears um oh. and that's kind of it's it's just interesting to break down that sort of aspect of it but comedy on the on the same end like it, it reminds me of like screwball comedies back in in the the late 20s early 30s screwball comedies were very very heavily commenting on um on the great depression and on homelessness and on class issues and they could do it because they were they were essentially like like the court jester is the only one who can who can um criticize the king because he uses comedy right and so and so this i think what jordan peele is doing is saying that comedy and horror both occupy a a specific role in filmmaking that no other genre can do. And they're one and the same. They're, now, they're cut from the same cloth. I do think you're missing an important aspect because I took a horror and sci-fi class and they both stand for that same social commentary as well. And I think that there is a sci-fi element in the spoiler mm. of this movie where there's like almost a dystopian uh, like dystopian satire or, or like a stab at the idea that like, yeah, this this sci-fi idea that the government is basically manipulating or, or, or producing clone identicals of everybody there's on the floor in your water yeah like it's just that she actually says that in the right movie. Exactly, yeah. exactly there's like uh that sci-fi element as well which sci-fi heavy-handedly taps into social commentary all the time i mean yes, pretty much yes. every star trek episode is just social commentary um to to some degree right so like i i, I think that's also an important aspect and i think how he how he taps into sci-fi with horror and comedy all leans into the idea that he's like hey these have a role in 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 being effective and efficient in social commentary right, as well. Right. But I think I think the really really interesting comparison that he's trying to make is that the same the same sort of guttural feeling that you get from both horror and from comedy, they both almost exist in in the same like fabric. You know what I mean? So I I mean I think to me the great example of this is um i mean two scenes one of them is the scene with the boat um where he's uh the mirror whatever his face is tethered uh gabe yeah tethered gabe is is attacking uh they're on a boat in the middle of the lake and and they're you know he's trying to essentially I mean, I don't even know what he's trying to do. Like, doesn't he get on the boat by accident or something? Oh no, no, no! He's dragged no, he's, out. He's to driving the, the boat. He, no, no, no! He's knocked out he, in, a bag. in a bag. The in good, a bag. the good guy is knocked yeah. out in a bag, and then tethered Gabe is is driving it. Yeah. Um, and the sequence is is both hilarious and scary because because of the um, almost like the imminent threat of uh, at one point he goes over the boat and you have this. Obviously, you have this feeling that oh, this is this is not over, right? You know, there's it's almost like the Jaws um, syndrome of That's like what I was it's thinking. under the, yeah. it's under the water. Who knows, you know, where this where this right, guy right. is, right? Um, but then it's hilarious because they they bring back um, a joke that they made earlier 
about about how he bought this this really cheap boat and how it only works if you like hit the engine and like how he's kind of incompetent you know yeah. like he's kind of just the incompetent dad but right, he's, right. he's goofy and he's fun um and and the jokes are are like laid in between the this the, the scary sequence and the tension right and it doesn't break anything right it, it it's done so well that it it actually just meshes into one and it harkens back to what was already called to at the beginning of the film but right? but if you think about it yes yeah but if you think about it like the the responses that you have to both the scariness and the and the uh comedy of it are almost like instant like guttural reactions right so you have this like if you see something funny like um him uh he he hits his head on the uh on the engine i mean the engine starts going and they both fall into the water like that's that's a hilarious bit of like physical comedy and you laugh from like almost uh, there's just like this urge like i don't even know what it is to laugh you know there's just this kind of like like well it's funny from the setup and it's also funny because it's like a release from the tension because yeah. there's fear like in that scene do you see abraham or the other gabe walking over to the motor and you're scared because he's walking near uh the hiding or the uh, unconscious but who's just come about uh regular gabe and then so you're scared and then he's hi- and then he starts hitting it like he did in, in, in the beginning <laughs> yeah, of the movie yeah. and then everyone laughs and then, but then you, there's at the same time of that you're seeing the suspense of where he's using the when every time he smacks it to tear the bag open yeah. to get out. So it's like there's all these like different. You're feeling all these things simultaneously. Which but is really but I think I think what Peel is saying is that they're almost they're almost the same reaction and they enhance each other too. And they yeah. don't distract right, from each exactly. other either in the scene. It only makes the scene purely enjoyable. And, I and then the, I think the second part that I mean. All of the sequences where the the shadow people are trying to to kill the normal people, all of those are both terrifying and hilarious. Yeah. But the the second part um, when they go into um, <laughs> when they go into the house, it's it's Heidecker and, and Elizabeth Moss's characters, right, characters right, right. doubles, and um, she's like bleeding out on the floor, and she she says, "Call the police." <laughs> And it starts playing F the, F the Police yeah. by N.W.A. I love and it's so funny. And yeah, there's that great. scene where, like, she's reaching out for a hand, right? Yeah. Uh, from the ground. And it's like, it turns into a joke, right? It's terrifying. It's You're like, oh, my gosh, this is brutal. Yeah. She's reaching. And then, like, he's like, I'm going to reach. And you're like, no, he's going to, like, kill her. But instead, he just does that, like, a hair wave thing. And you're like, LOL, <laughs> what? Like, that's so funny, yeah, his, his doppelganger is as much of a douche as he is. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Um, ob- the, the main, like, interpretation that most people are getting at online and, and the interpretation that I took away and Juzo, you're sharing the same, is there's this social commentary on class and class structure, which... I thought was really tasteful in the sense where I interpreted the film as like, you know, there are these different classes and you will always have a class below you. Right. And I thought that was like an interesting idea because these people all have someone below them. And then how there's this concept of you're hoarding what you have or you will, you'll do it. You'll do anything to protect what you have. Even the lower class, which is trying to fight the higher class is doing the same thing. Right. And, 
I love how the twist at the end where you find out that Lupita's character is actually flipped. The underground one is above the surface and the below ground one is, is the other way. Like, they don't change their objectives in the sense where it's like both of them just want to be above. There's like mm, this constant yeah. desire to be on top and to fight and protect for what you have, you know? Like, and well, with that ending also, that twist ending also uh, sort of emphasizes the fact that the tethered, even though they they they're seemingly just like puppets and they can barely they can't speak, but you see that with once she gets above the surface and is embraced by this family, she's actually able to live up till a, a point a completely normal life. So that in itself is sort of a comment on on social class and have how people are able to get out of the lower classes that they once were in. And then that sort of guilt that comes with that. And I think that's maybe the closest to where you could, where I think race comes into the movie, because I think for someone like Jordan Peele, this idea of make being incredibly successful and being black and seeing, you know, black people, you know, suffering or, or whatever in the country, um, that sort of guilt and that feeling like, uh, you know, what could have happened to me or what could have, um, or who, you know, who else is, is not doing well where I, while I'm doing well, you know, maybe in your own family sometimes even. Yeah. Um, and there's like this natural hatred between the two classes that like occurs as a result. And both of them think that they're in the right, you know, you kind of, it was great to know the spoiler already walking in and know that like, Oh, the, these evil characters that are supposed to be evil, like are actually like oppressed people who are underground, you know, it really changed the way that I saw those, those starting scenes where they're like, we just, like we hate these people because like they they never cared about us and like I mean it gets a little muddy but like I just I found it so much like it was just so well nuanced I think where I was like oh you could really like see the 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 pros and cons of like both sides right well it that can be one of the most compelling things about a great horror movie is where the the villain of the movie is someone who you might have sympathy of, like yeah. the trauma of Norman Bates and Psycho. You you start to because the movie follows him for so long, you start to root for him to clean up the blood from the murder he's just committed, and then that in itself is such an interesting psychological thing that just by spending time with this psychopath, you start to identify with him. Yeah, and you you harken back to like classic horror, and I know most people know this, but. Frankenstein's monster is like such a sympathetical character. You really care about him and he's a monster, right? Like he he ends up being kind of terrible to his people, but you really care about him and how he's kind of helpless in his situation, right? And so yeah, like I think I think this movie tackles those concepts really solidly and while like while being something that you could you could forget the interpretation and still enjoy, like it's just all around, like, surprisingly good. Now, I want to talk about, uh, unless you guys have more comments. In, on well, Just the fact that about ana analyzing the movie and maybe why I've been sort of the most quiet in this section of the show, which is that I, I generally, when I watch movies, I, I don't think about that much. Maybe it's just because I'm, like, uneducated and I didn't go to college. But I think also it's just a... I like to approach things on kind of an emotional level. And I often think it's a mistake when directors analyze their own movies especially when they're coming out like there's this movie called mother that came out a couple of years oh, ago yes where the yes. director in the press junkets was basically explaining the whole movie is a metaphor for the stories of the bible yeah and to me it's like 
that was by far the least interesting part of that movie. And really it was much more compelling just as a home invasion um, horror movie. Yeah. Um, And in the case of us, I think, I think just most directors should just not talk about the analysis of their movies and just say, it's up to you. Like I'll be quiet about it, which Peel, you know, he's so popular. I think I understand he can't really just do that. But But one of the things that actually kind of rubbed me the wrong way about this movie is that it feels like, it feels like the analysis is like a little bit low hanging fruit in a lot of ways. Mm. Like the, the sort of like, the the class and I the one of the things that okay so the one line that really bothered me in it was was when they're sitting down at the table when she's first um explain like the tether right girl right. is first explaining the handcuff and she says uh she says we're Americans and it's like that line was so absolutely unnecessary that like because you literally see them what well, only works when you up- have no idea what it's about. Like that, I like that line when it's just a weird thing. To me, to me, stuff like that in the movie is much more compelling, just as like a "what the hell does that mean?" kind of moment. Then, but then like, when you see it again, you say, "Oh, Americans! Like this is about America, us, U.S." But oh, like, but like know. that was that was like dripping off of this movie. Was like was like the him trying to make a commentary about America. Yes, yes, and yeah. and, and the hey, thing. Ten seconds till the twenty. I'm just letting you know. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to go. Over, so, yeah. um, like, it just, it, it rubbed me the wrong way because I was like, yes, I know. I know it's about Americans. You don't have to tell me. Like, I understand. Yeah. Like, well, I, are there movies in America? No, not even just that. <laughs> like, the, it, what if, what if he had just let it be and then, and then you see them all lining up across America and then you get the you get the visual imagery of it. Like it's literally he literally tells you in the visuals in the last like ten shot seconds movie, last yeah. shot of the movie. Okay. Real quick, if you guys skip to this moment, we're not done with spoilers. Yeah. So yeah. I apologize. Uh just ignore everything Cameron said. We are not done with spoilers <laughs> at this time. We are not done and I don't know how else to edit it. I put, put, it, said, put it in the description. I'll put it yeah. in the description. But at the same time, I feel bad because I didn't say that at the beginning of the show. So we're we're trying our best, but it's we're, okay. we're we're gonna go further. Uh, the moment where the spoilers stop will be in the description. So hopefully you skip to the twenty minute mark and hear this message. <laughs> I apologize if Cameron spoiled anything for you, but the description of when spoilers will end will be in the description. So. Actually, I think taken out of context, that wouldn't make any sense. No, I don't. I don't think but, it will. So we are gonna continue in spoilers. And continue at your own risk. So, so but the th- yeah, I mean that that is what what genuinely bothered me a bit was that like he did a lot of telling with the analysis of the movie. Like in in Get Out, I didn't feel like there was like you got the joke because because. Not because he told you, oh, this is this is white America and this is what they're doing to black America, blah blah blah. You he got demonstrates the, it, you yeah. got the joke because because he he shows it, right? And and the whole like what's so funny about the you know, if I if I could I would have voted for Obama a third time. What's so funny about that joke is that like like it it explains so much about what what the movie's about, but it doesn't it doesn't do it in the sort of overstated, heavy-handed way that I think us does. 
And so I, I, I don't think the We're Americans thing did that. I, I, I will I think say I that, that I think your frustration comes from the exposition, right? Yes. There is a lot of much. there are there are a lot of scenes in in this movie where someone just talks about uh, how things went down, and even the beginning where it says there are tons of tunnels underground and da 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 all across America, nobody knows what they do, right? Like that alone, it's like probably didn't even need to add that i see a little bit of corporate hand coming in saying i don't think people are gonna understand like that's that's... i'm gonna guess he got final cut on this but but i don't that was fine you think he got final cut I don't know if he got Final Cut, but I don't think that beginning is something where... No, I, I like the beginning. That's not expositionly enough that it's studio... Man- that's not like Harvey Weinstein trying to <laughs> add his you know, uh, beginning yeah. to Snowpiercer. But I think I think it's clearly... It, it is only helping the audience prepare their mind to where the movie's going to go. And it wasn't overstated like some of the exposition Cameron is explaining. It's is. also just evocative. Like It's just like a great I, way to like I chill love, your audience. I love the... I actually really liked the opening about the tunnels because you don't... You don't get anything about it until like 15 minutes later. And then they also open, he also opens with the ad for Hands Across America, which was so brilliant. It was so, so, so good. With the same music from the ending, Did oh. you, like a Muzak version oh, of it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's so good. And this, that was what frustrated me about the sort of expositional scenes. And the two that I'm talking about specifically, there's one where they first come in the house. They do the little creepy spider yep, yep, crawl yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then she chains herself to the table, which she should have just chained, chained herself to the leg Bottom of the table. Leg. I thought that too. Like, what? come on, man. But come on. Um, a horror movie logic. Let's anyways, be real. Anyways. Cut, cut that crap. I, I Like, people are going to have problems with this movie from the start. Oh, how could they have, uh, like, all the people cloned underground? That makes no sense. Like, Well, the, but this is not a cinema sins proof. But, yeah, the reason, but the reason why it works is that there is that tense scene where she's, like, crowbarring the, yeah. the table. And it's, like, so good. But, um... In any case, uh, so there's there's that scene where she sits down and she says, "There was a girl, and the girl had good things happen to her, but then there was another girl, and then the good other girl had bad things which happen I, to I her." I started laughing at that scene because I thought the voice was so funny, which I, it was very inappropriate in the quiet theater. <laughs> uh, but like that was just me. I was like, "This movie is great!" Like I was just laughing because I was like, "This is funny," you know. Like but I I like the voice thing actually because because what it shows. I mean, there's something there's Im- interesting imagery in that too because the girl who. Um, who gets kidnapped in, in is the, the only girl who can speak. No, but she well, yes, yeah, she is the only girl who can speak. But you never see her speak in the in the movie before that. You never see the uh, the normal girl speak. But I, uh, my sister explained the normal girl gets choked. Yes, and maybe there was an issue with speaking after that choking scene. N- maybe, but I think, I, I think it's probably just that she was not around people talking. Yeah, but she she had the. She had the experience of people talking before. Exactly. And yeah. then blah, blah, blah. But in, in in any case, like that scene where they just like literally explain what is happening, what's going on. And then there's a scene in the end with uh, when they're in the classroom yeah. where they, they do they talk for like two Beautiful minutes. Beautiful split frame diopter shot. Wonderful shot. But they just talk for two minutes and then you're like, OK, well, I don't really have any mystery about why this is here or what what this is doing or like i get it but like but like i would have loved to have seen instead of that scene where um they're talking just the dance sequence well where they're dancing up and they're dancing down I, like that could have motivated though 
but you you get that they're or maybe mirrored. just say you get that they're mirrored i don't know i think a lot of what the dialogue could have just been more like vague and for some yeah, reason yeah. when i when she did that monologue about there was a girl at the, in the beginning for whatever reason maybe i couldn't hear properly but i didn't understand what she was talking about so i just took it in as like a david lynch like just weird like what I, the hell is this that happened scene? to me that happened to me at the last scene actually I like I caught nothing from it besides the fact that they danced, which I was like, uh, right, they danced, mm. right. Like I, yeah. I, I, I didn't remember that. The only thing I took away from that scene was the awesome, creepified. I got five on it. Music mm. render at yeah, the end, which so I thought good. was like so excellent, good. excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I saw the trailers for us, and they used that same song in mm. the trailers, and I was like, what is that song? Like I was like, I, I've heard this before, and then when they play it in the car, I'm like. Oh shoot! Like it's I got five right, on it. Right. I love that song, you know. Like, and yeah, aw- awesome way that was put together. Um, I love the imagery. Uh, a couple notes about about the end of the film. I loved how it was like something I noticed is when Lupita's uh, like top ground character goes down in, into like the tunnels. Right, she never hesitates on where to go. Which I thought was super cool. Mm, like, mm. and there is a noticeable scene where she opens a door that is like not there, and she like does it really quick. Right, right, right. And I mean, of course, there's that awesome visual representation of arrows going the opposite way as she's going down. But they sh- they make note to show plenty of doors that she doesn't go through mm. as they're running that camera. Yeah, and she knows like, and she knows, and which she ones and I was to. like, this is so cool because I know that there's like a something coming and right, I wouldn't right. have noticed. Well, but it's a, it's a very similar callback and it works because because he does the he does the slapping on the engine before the the Abraham does the slapping on the engine right like they sort of have an almost like an innate knowledge of what each other are doing now, and. There's there's something I was gonna ask you, Juzo, because you've seen it a lot of times. That scene at the beginning of us, where the girl uh, turns her back and the other girl turns around and smiles, right? Do they show her face going like, "Oh my gosh!" Like the scene where yes, she's the choked? last shot of that before the title start is a is a shot looking straight on at the, it's the real Adelaide, right? Looking scared, and what, what it never I'm, shows her run out. No. Oh, good. Okay. I but was what's like, even more chilling about it, though, is is when you see that shot in her flashbacks, you start to realize that that shot is not, it's not just a fancy POV shot. It's a memory. It's a memory of turning around and seeing the other girl. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's really. Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, that's a, and, such an oh, interesting man, yeah. And also, I don't think, does she turn around in the in the first time they show it? I'm not no. sure. No, she just see, you just see her turned around. So there's one look. She's looking at the back of her own head. Yeah, and then and then it's just her face, yeah. and she's and she's doing Realizing. the wide like scared face. Yeah. yeah, and then the second time it shows, then you see her turn. And this is what I was saying earlier: how it's creepier the second time. You see her turn around, and she's smiling at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's so creepy. And yeah. then and then and then the ending oh, of the movie, God. you see her grab her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like those those little bits are like are like so well thoroughly sprinkled throughout the movie, Haunted. where where it's just like. It's just like I'm gonna give you a little bit more information. I I'm love... gonna give you a little bit, but then that's what bothers me so much about why I think he he really lets the cat out of the bag. Yes, I I hear what you're saying. Couple last notes about the final scene. Love the yellow. Don't know why. Uh, very like Kill Bill esque. I don't know why the yellow triggered Kill Bill. Something about her holding that 
spike. Um, but I haven't even really seen all of Kill Bill, so I don't know what I'm talking oh, about. I love Kill Bill. Uh, so Desperate I, Mother sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of yes. like what I was Defending I was getting a vibe with. Sure. I love the performance at the end where she cracks the neck of the other kid. Like, oh, that's, the joy. Yeah. Like, Chilling. the joy and, yeah. the, and the happiness that comes like with that. Clicking her teeth. Oh, my God. Such a weird, yeah. like, twist in character, right? And also the composition where he, he has her, and she's a pretty dark skin, and she's in shadow, so you kind of just see her teeth and her eyes, and, like, that's it. It's man. suddenly, it's like, great. you're like, wait, yeah, what? Like, that's the first hint, and I also love how the Chewbacca kid totally knows at the end. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think the idea oh, yeah. is he's, he's looking out of the locker and he sees his mother because he's already seen her one time stabbing the, uh, one of the twins and, and doing, being a little weird about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's like, yeah, that's the follow through of that. Well, but throughout the movie, she's, uh, it's, it's interesting because she's very like, um, weirdly sympathetic towards right. the the mirror children and and part of the reason you could say is like is like oh well you know they remind her of her own children you yeah. know and she wants to provide them a certain amount of sympathy that's what you think the first you know? time yeah. yeah yeah and then but then it really colors it differently when you realize that that like it's kind of like her i mean it, it is kind of her children well it's not her children because she didn't she yeah. didn't birth them but it's also like it's kind of it's her people, I don't right? Know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, she she's like her. It, it looks like her children, and it's her own race of people, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. It's it's very. And I think that might be that could be my favorite scene in the movie, where where it all goes into slow motion and the sound drops out and and the fires behind the kid. Oh, he oh, starts walking so backwards. He walks backwards, and Dang then it. yeah, I, I, and the way the chorus comes in, amazing, and, and, and the then, way the clink of the baseball bat and the kid snapping becomes part of the score. Everything about that scene is, that is absolutely incredible. Crap. Legit, yeah. legit. When I saw the trailer with the kid with his arms up, I was like, I know that's going to be my favorite scene. And the <laughs> second they turn that corner at that famous turn mm, in Santa Cruz, yeah. mm. right? I was like, I love this place in Oof. real life. I love this place. And I was like, if this turn shows the burning car, I, I'm actually going to lose it. And the car was burning. <laughs> and I was like, this is my favorite scene in the movie, like by far, by far. But but no. also the fact that it doesn't even end with him walking backwards, which is so cool, like such a visual, like amazing, amazing parallel. He walks backwards and the kid walks backwards in, into the fire and then the mother grabs the kid and jumps off the off the ledge and you're like, Oh, mind blown because Stunning. she knows that the kid is gonna do the same thing that like yeah oh, yeah it's just yeah, so she's, good she's like three steps ahead of them right I also thought I didn't even I didn't even think about that because yeah. she knows that that's what her kid would do I don't right? know you I know what I mean like so that's she's scene, standing right next to where he's gonna be exactly I think, exactly I think, yeah. that scene sort of broke the logic for me because when that when that scene happened and the kid backed up and the other kid backed up into the fire I was like is this movie going to end with Lupita's character shoving a knife through herself and watching the other person kill herself? Mm. Like kind of like a mirror esque, like where, why haven't we seen this mirror action happen more regularly? And maybe I missed it to a theory I have, which is the, the idea of them mirroring the people on the upper world. I think the idea behind that is not that it's like, it's not a biological natural thing. It's more of like a, it's like a socialized thing that they just do because they have nothing else to do and it falls into the commentary right you, you yes. could even say like yes and lower and classes are like they still buy iphones right? and it's and it's 
Yeah, exactly. They're they're living a shadow life of the uh, of exactly. the upper side, but it's like Lupita's character who's able to break free of that because she's not one of them really. Right. She leads them to saying, "You can you can ignore this impulse you have that's built into you and go and kill your oppressors or whatever you want to call it." Um, but th- I think what's the idea behind that is that the little kid has l- the least control over it because the others mm, have been, yeah. they, they've been trained. They understand not to, to resist that impulse. Cause you notice n- never does the father imitate the father. The girl pretends to imitate the girl, but she really doesn't. She, she, she walks in next to the car, but the girl goes down. She goes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. So she's, she's faking it out, but it's only the little kid who's, you know, who is probably the le- least understanding what's going on. He still has that impulse that right, he can't control. Right, right. So I think that's kind of what's going on. In that and you kind of like the kid with the mask. Yeah. I don't know why you feel, I felt like I, like there's something like Ewok-esque about him. And maybe it was because of the Chewbacca mask, but like, the way like he plays with the fire, he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like he's still a kid, right? Yeah, and, and he's like, you know, his face is burned up, and which also that's a kind of a dark side of it. Which I think, I think the the implication there is that the kid playing with the fire above ground, every time he flicks that thing, it's like lighting up the kid. I don't know. When he does that, that's why I've heard a lot of people saying. I him I doing the magic trick is like I didn't burning think of, the little kid's no, face. No, no, no. But. I didn't. I didn't think of it like that. I I saw it as. He wasn't able to play with the trick, the the fire up on um, upstairs. <laughs> I'm uh-huh. gonna call it. Uh-huh. Um, but downstairs he was, and he ended up burning himself. Oh, uh, right. yeah, that's a better interpretation. Oh, I think. yeah, like he didn't have a safe toy to use. Right, exactly. Like, he's exactly. just using gasoline right, or some yeah, crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, Gosh, I love that that scene. Like even Jules was like, "Dude, that scene with the arms going." <laughs> she was like, "That was cool." I was going, and she's not even like a a film buff. Like, yeah. But she's starting to notice things too. Now yeah. That we're but, but but then. I think I think it actually leads into sort of the next sequence, which is her going down into the... literally down the rabbit hole. <laughs> my uh, my sister's husband Austin, when she shows up on the boardwalk, he's like, "Well, that's a run." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's like she got there pretty quick. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys know the yeah, geography. Yeah. Oh, I got yeah. it. Um, but but so like when she goes down into into the the downstairs world, um, and they're fighting, Lupita the a tether Lupita is dodging every attack that she has because she knows what she would do right like that's this is kind of what i'm assuming is that they they have a certain connection where they can like preemptively understand what each other are like what their first maybe their first impulse is to do which might test the logic a little bit because is, is the idea that it's the underground that makes you have the understanding of the above ground or is no, it... no, no, no. It's that because she says, um, but the tethered Lupita is not really a tethered person. So why would she? No, 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 no. She says, she says they figured out how to make two bodies, but they didn't figure out how to make two souls. And uh-huh. so they, there's sort of a, an a implica- sharing a soul. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's an implication that they are, are one cut from the same cloth is like one in the same, but they don't, um, it it doesn't matter which one is is underground and which one is above ground. There's also a little bit of an insinuation where she talks about like God picked us. Mm. Like there's kind of an insinuation that um, they're almost kind of like much more close, like two from the same cloth, and that almost it's like a biological mutation or something. Right. Where right, right. where she's you know they, the the underground one actually might have more independence and the above ground one might not or whatever. I don't know exactly. I don't know. Yeah, there were, there was some stuff like. The more I thought about the logic, the more I don't. I don't. I think the movie 
doesn't shine as much and i and i think that you're not supposed to i i really don't i don't yeah, think that don't, you're supposed to get caught up i in think that. the movie is best experienced just as a pure a pure thriller and you think about it a little after because i think it's like kind of a messy concept there's, there's stuff like i mean why does lupita's doppelganger family not instantly stab uh, that family the same way. Well, that, that makes sense because she has a connection to. Them. They want to enjoy it. Yeah, no, she has a. That makes sense because she has a connection to that family. But wouldn't they all want to enjoy it? The rest of them are on like commando pro killing spree, dude. They're just like. <laughs> well, exactly, like, but but, you know? but she she knows the truth about her, and she's it's like exacting revenge. It's like Bane throwing Batman down the well in Dark Knight Rises <laughs> instead of killing him. You know, you want to have you know. I, torture them to the the maximum. But I think like that's why she goes and has each family member go kill the fan. Like I think that's maybe the idea. Mm. Like each other family member is going to kill the other one. I just, she's just handcuffed to the table. I, I just know. don't see why the other dwellers underground wouldn't want to exact the same revenge on the rest of the family. Have too. you ever seen um, uh, Sicario? Yes, I loved it. Spoilers for Sicario, I guess for for this one second, but. Remember when, in the end, when Benicio del Toro is sitting at the dinner table with everybody? He's, oh, he's like gosh. dressed in commando. What blah, a, blah, what a, and then he shoots. He shoots everybody, analogy. but but the the, the, the mob guy he's boss. supposed to kill, right? Um, After he's he begged him to save his family, he shoots yeah, his whole family, family, and then and then he just sits and he just waits, and and like that sort of that to me um, was. So that was the same implication that I got from that scene was like, I'm going to kill your whole family um, and I'm going to make you watch and I'm going to enjoy it. I, I get that. I, I uh, totally understand. I just, the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, like I mean, I think you get where I'm coming from. No, I mean, from. my whole comment about Cinema Sins, which, by the way, I should preface this by saying Cinema Sins is like the worst thing ever. I don't want to sound like I'm pro Cinema Sins. It's it it Cinema Sins is is doing a great damage, I think, to both America um, <laughs> wow. and uh, the film world as a whole. And but, Cinema Sins would say, "I'm American." Yeah, we're American. We're American. <laughs> I think American. I think he's Canadian, actually. Yeah, I don't even. Yeah. <laughs> Canadians are actually mirror Americans. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it, dude. That's what... Or is that Australians? I don't know. But what was I going to say about that? Oh, just the fact that the sort of contradiction for me is the fact that with Get Out, it's a much cleaner premise. And, and, yeah. and that movie is kind of faultless in terms of like plot. Like I, I think he, he just had a perfect script in terms of the setups and payoffs and everything about the logic of that movie works perfectly. Um, but I think I like Us better as a movie because it's more, well, not only is it scary, but, and it's m better crafted, but I think it's almost the, the, the lack of, um, the, the way you can't really pin it down to me makes it more compelling and, and the, the moral ambiguity of it, which, which Get Out doesn't really have. And, mm -hmm. you know, and that, it works on its own terms, but it's a very, it's a pretty black and white movie. I mean, sure, yeah. naturally. I mean, I want to see Get Out. I actually don't know hardly. Oh, check anything. it out. It's good hardly movie. anything about it. It's very yeah. good. Um, very good. But I was saying to you earlier that I think this movie would have benefited from a smaller scale instead of a global United States uh, kind of situation. Maybe it's I'm pretty small scale as it is. I mean, just I mean, family. everyone in the United States gets stabbed by scissors, and then they have hands across America. That's what I got at the end. I yeah, was like, but that's not the crux of the movie I, I mean I that didn't bother me that much what, what part of it bothered you that I was just like why does it have to be like apocalyptic and what is this line of people like I was just like 
Why couldn't it just be like a Santa Cruz thing? Like the Santa Cruz is such a well, great it's like a setting. global revolution. I mean, that's the part that's like it's about America. It's about underclass overthrowing the over. You know, like that's the point of it. I think. Yeah. Full um, communism. <laughs> well, that's also and that another interesting thing that I don't think I touched on is that depending on how you feel about that sort of thing, I think you you could analyze it in different ways because I've I've heard people who analyze it as. You know, these are like poor people. This is about the underclass of America. But I've also read people who who describe it as, um, they talk about like like white supremacists or like like extremism, where you bury these people down and you you completely hmm. um, th- these people you ostracize are, them. Yeah, yeah or, or ostracize or they just are kind of like they're their natural instinct is sort of this feral thing and they're sort of buried down. We, we pretend they don't exist. That's the right, key right, thing. Right, right. And then, but, but kind of just pretending they don't exist and kind of trying to hide it away does no service. And then, you know, they bubble up to the surface. They're, they're yeah. using the metaphor of Trump. I think in that analysis of like Trump and the, you know, these people being having a sort of newfound visibility. Um, so th- there's a lot of interesting ways you could take it. I mean, for me, the, the, the key thing, that makes it compelling for me is just the, the character part of it. This idea of um, yourself being your own worst enemy, y- your own seeing your own doppelganger as sort of this uncontrollable like id almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's how my sister interpreted it. She's like, "Oh, I love the idea of like my greatest enemy is actually myself." And I was like, "Oh, I yeah." Didn't, I was so focused on the class yeah. interpretation, and, I didn't even think about. And that. then even sort of the um, like the the more union the more union interpretation which would be like you having a shadow self something that you similar to what you're saying no you having something inside of you that like a private um, vice or something yeah Yeah. that you can't that you can't control because because if you um if you looked it in the face you wouldn't be able to to live with yourself yeah yeah and i think that this movie in that sense like i love the fact that we're having this conversation because it just goes to show like how good the movie is. And yeah. I know we are like, oh, there's problems, but I think what you're saying, Juzo, where it's like, I kind of like the idea of how broad and how unpinned, like you can't pin it down, you said. Yeah. It's like, that adds to the conversation. That's what makes our conversation about the movie so exciting. Right? I think that's, that's also the reason why every time I read an analysis of the movie, I like, I end up liking it less for like a second <laughs> because when you when you pin it down to just a simplistic i think get out in a way too because people are just go crazy with these movies and they analyze them so much then it just becomes about one thing but particularly with us i think there's a lot of different ways you can go with it and it's 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 much more of an unconscious work than a piece of like political activism or whatever that I think, it could have been i think that jordan peele's next film should be about the fact that everyone's trying to interpret things i think that would be uh, hilarious That'd be like a great way to take it. I'm like, very, I'm very oh, interested to see where he goes. I mean, it's, I, I'm excited to see his Twilight Zone stuff. Honestly, I'm like, yeah, like I'm down to watch his Twilight Zone stuff. Yeah, because I've seen people who are already saying he's the next Kubrick or next next uh, Hitchcock, and I'm a little that. bit like, okay, like calm down because we remember happened with M Night Shyamalan, where <laughs> the next Spielberg is on Time Magazine or whatever. Yeah, yeah. we saw where that went. Um, but there's he, a, there, he has had to hit that next hurdle that you have to make, which is like a lot of people they make a great first movie, you know, and then the second one, like Anna Lily Amarpour, you know, oof. she makes a girl walks home alone at night, and then the Bad Batch uh, makes five hundred thousand dollars, you know. Um, but there's a good freshness about it. I, I like yeah. I, when, when when I walked out of that theater, most of the people that I went with, like Jules, was like that was like so refreshing. Mm. You yeah. Know? yeah. Oh yeah. And I think if he can keep up 
that creative drive and that idea that it's like, oh, like I want to make something different. And I think the fact that he's committed to horror, like horror is such a horrible genre. Like yeah. it, like in the past, well, it, it seems like, and I know you've talked about this with me, Cameron, that indie films do horror the best right now. And he's giving it yeah, the witch smaller, films. Yeah. smaller films. Yeah. yeah. It's like Jordan Peele is giving horror a new main stage and it's like a, a like crafted and it's well put together huge. Yeah. and not depending huge. on just gore and um jump scares right too, it's like it's nice. like it, yeah there, there is almost a renaissance um i would say you know like i i wouldn't compare him necessarily to hitchcock himself but like there is a renaissance in the way that hitchcock made master crafted horror films when that was kind of just a trashy subgenre at the yeah. time right and people t- take you, you can watch them both as just pure entertainment but also with hitchcock as well with his horror movies there is a unconscious kind of psychological commentary or yeah. whatever going on underneath psycho or vertigo or and they're not movies. they're not movies that are like um trying to shock you or trying to like scare you in that way yeah they're, they're very much not in a cheap way they're they're focused on the on the actual filmmaking aspect of it, which is which is really interesting. I would say a better analogy if if he sort of falls away in this third movie, which I don't think he will, because I think he's a genuinely excellent filmmaker. Not only was it good, but it's like I think it was an improvement. Like I think it shows an elevation of his talent. Yeah, like it, it's a more elegantly made movie. It it shows a greater directorial hand. Right, but I was gonna say. If if things if things go south, it would be, I would say it would be similar to somebody like Neil Blomkamp, who made a made a excellent first movie, sort of like hits hits a political nerve at a certain time, and then makes a second movie that is. Uh, no one liked the I second mean, movie. Though, Elysium right? Elysium is not very good, but um, but then he. What was his first one? District Nine. Yeah, yeah, w- which is so good. It's such a good movie. Um, and then, and then he made Chappie and then people just started, Freaking uh, Chappie, dude. people just started to throw his name in the, in the dumpster, basically. Too bad, dude. Too bad. Chappie wasn't like, he's kind of one hit though. Like I, I, I've he never was, seen any of his was, movies, yeah. but, um, I don't think Peel, I mean, I don't yeah. think he'll be like that, we'll but, see. but we will, but I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to hope that he, he really continues hitting this streak of like, yeah. really excellently made horror movies like that is an area that i am excited to to keep exploring also the the fact that they're huge movies like absolutely so well yeah absolutely like smashing it at the box office like 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 incredible yeah that that makes me really excited the highest r-rated release ever since since yeah. Um, Deadpool, I think original movie opening since Avatar. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. And that's I, insane. What I love is seeing a director really be able to not just make their own, you know, personal movies, but to have the freedom to kind of do whatever. Yeah. Like I think after this movie, if you wanted to make like a like an epic scale, like a historical movie or something, something that's really expensive, he probably could. Like he's, he definitely could. He's yeah. getting into that range that there's only a few people who have that now, like Nolan or you know Spielberg and Scorsese. Obviously, I think Ryan Coogler has kind of broken into that with his last couple movies. I would maybe, really but... love to see him tap into a little bit of sci-fi because this movie yeah. has a touch of sci-fi. I would like. So does Get Out yeah. too. I just I would love to see some sci-fi and you know what you're saying like historical 
dude, I'd love some historical sci-fi. Let's get like, I know I always talk about this, but let's get some like 1960s black ops stuff going on. Like, That'd be cool. Yeah. That would be a pretty cool like. Or idea. even just like a space. Ooh. What if he did a space thriller? Like like Ooh. something like Alien or something? Dude. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Ooh. Like I was thinking Alien, but imagine this. What if he did like a, <laughs> this sounds so stupid, <laughs> uh, like a Call of Duty black ops. <laughs> like, no, but seriously, hear me out. Like a zombie 1960s zombie thing mm-hmm. like i think you could make a good um like homage to um to night of the living dead which is i mean in my mind it's one of is it the best zombie movie i don't know i think it man. probably is i love night of the living dead. i like I think zombie it's really town good. or zombie land zombie land is very good but comedy uh you know again uh, crossing those streams yep. you know Shaun of the dead really good i think that's the only zombie movie i've seen honestly what other um i'm i'm curious because probably since uh since jordan peele has been making these movies that like really kind of extremely cross horror and comedy like what other movie actually does that well i think Shaun of the den is a good example i don't think it's scary though i don't think it's trying to be scary uh, that's a good point horror and comedy Specifically horror, or do you just mean any genre? No, 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 horror and comedy. Because oh. I think I think he's like he's making a very pointed um, analogy to to these. What two about genres. Cabin in the Woods? Cabin in the Woods does it a bit. It uses sort of the pastiche of of horror genres to to like to t- take it in a different direction and like play off of your expectations. Um, I think Your Next does it a bit too. Your Next is actually a very funny movie and a very and it's not scary, but like, I mean, it's a little scary. What about um, like Happy Death Day. I don't I know if that's totally. I don't know if that's funny or scary. Hey, I enjoyed that movie. I was just watching a clip from it and it looked. It's know. pretty stupid. It's just Groundhog Day, but with horror. Mm. It, yeah, it looked dumb. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't, but I don't know. You, do you know what I'm? The only thing I, I the only thing I can think of is some of David Lynch's movies, mm. but uh, and obviously no, uh, you know, beef drive. With, but, yeah, except well, Mulholland Drive, not really, because it's not really funny. But like <laughs> Twin Peaks, like the new one, there are parts that are very frightening and disturbing, mm. and there are parts that are like insanely funny. Yeah, but I think Peel is probably more going for more scary and more funny. Lynch right, is kind of right. like his own animal. Like yeah, he yeah, just he is, is like. What about Unsettling. like during the eighties? Something about like I mean I'm thinking Stranger Things. I was getting some minor hints of that, um, where it's like it's thriller esque, but there's like a very light hearted cast. You could say I I have not seen uh, what's it? I have not seen it, but I don't know if the kids are like funny or enjoyable during that movie. I don't know. That's more like I haven't seen it, but it's more like horror with like sort of quirky characters. I, it's yeah. not really comedy in the same way that Peel is doing. I think Peel is doing. He's. It is kind of unique. I think. Well, and then, yeah. I would say, a lot of older horror movies actually tap into, or they they seem a little bit funny, um, nowadays. And that that's not even just like, a, like, a cheesy thing. It's like, they are just kind of funny situations. Like, um, have you seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Either no, of you? No. Okay. It's really, really good. I I recommend it. I think it's an excellent movie. But there's a really there's a lot of sequences where where taken in a certain light are just like really hysterically funny. Um like like 
I don't know. It's just like very darkly um, comedic. Yeah, they're they're sort of B movie. Like I actually, Suspiria in some ways is a little bit funny. Mm, yeah, the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second one is funny because it's it's amusing that I would waste my time watching <laughs> such a movie. But. You know, Red Letter Media they loved it. I know I watched it. Yeah, they watched whatever. the I watched the review. I didn't know anything about it, but it looked kind of weird. Yeah, the don't new see one it. is not it's very revolting. good. Not very good. But the old one is excellent. Delightful. It's very good. Well, they showed because I watched the Red Letter Media review too, and the the old one had so much color. I was like, oh, it's kind of yeah. interesting. Oh no, it's beautiful movie. And the new one's gray and yeah. Well, I mean, because Dario Argenta is like, um, he made a style of Italian films called giallo, um, which are called yellow films. Um, they're they're kind of like, um. murder mystery-ish films that are kind of like a little bit raunchy but like very colorful and 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 like playful i would love to see jordan peele do um like a haunted house movie almost i know this was like a home invasion film but like what about like almost scooby-doo-esque that Mm. could be interesting right he made a lot li- what if he made a live action scooby-doo that'd be cool <laughs> what about uh, the other thing is i've never seen him really direct anything super action-packed but i think his style would go well with you know i, I mean like drive drive is a great movie and drive inspires a video game called hotline miami which is full of color blood and like like style yeah, right? yeah, yeah. um i don't know if you could compare it to mandy because i haven't seen mandy no, not Mandy. Not Mandy. Uh, the one with Hereditary. Nicolas Cage. Man, yeah, Mandy. No, Mandy. Oh, that I is actually Mandy. think I Mandy's actually pretty funny. Actually, maybe Mandy is the the sort of comparable. All these movies dark have humor. All these movies have kind of like it's horror with comedy. Like yeah. Peel's the only one who who really who blends is like it. Pr- yeah. pretty balanced. Like you yeah. can't really say either way. Um, but Mandy Mandy's has some pretty funny. Mandy oh, yeah. is yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it's yeah. so fun. I kind of want to watch that with you. Cameron. It's so I'd good. I'd rather so watch good. that than Hereditary. But Hereditary is excellent. Okay, let's wrap it up because we're coming up on two hours, folks. Awesome. Nice. Um, so there's a sequence in Mandy where he he like just gets done fighting this like evil blood demon, and he he snaps the guy's neck, and, and then it, a and snap then it, zoom into his and head. Then it zooms into his face, <laughs> and he's gone like this. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's I, so good. I can't wait. Looks like I a madman. Here's what I want to say though. Uh, when I say let's wrap it up, Cameron, you go into a completely <laughs> different story about Mandy. So uh, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, so this is going to wrap it up for episode 40. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoy Everything Comes From Something, tell a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, oh, check out our Patreon, <laughs> and we'll save the other movies for later because I got to get to bed. <laughs> um, All right. See so- Climax and Paddleton. Any other suggestions? Climax Cam? was very good. I think it's the only other movie I've seen this year. So Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, with that said... Oh, no. I saw... Um, <laughs> just don't let me finish the show. Cameron. I saw The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Uh, it, it's not out yet. Um, it's interesting. It. I've, I I think it's good. It's a little bit long in the tooth, but it's good. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we hope that you were informed by something. And the truth is, everything comes from something. So, uh, I mean, that's what the show's called. And I'm just going to stop recording because... It's at the two-hour mark. (laughs) I knocked over my can. Uh, All right, bye.